Welcome back, everyone. If you are just hopping on, we will give it a couple minutes here so that folks can join us live. This is Share the Care's Resources Within Reach series. I am Christy Fries, founder of Care by Christy. And each and every Thursday, I'm bringing on a resource that is within reach, especially here in Indiana, in central Indiana. And I'm so excited. I have Mindy here tonight with me from, I keep saying Sokoa and Dementia Friends. Is that correct? It, it's the organization Sokoa, but Dementia Friends is the program. And that is what I coordinate. So that's where my energy is going to go today. But Beautiful. That's what I was hoping. Yes. I hopped yes. on earlier today and I was like, I hope we talk about Dementia Friends. Yes, I for sure. love that. And if you are not able to tune in live with us, don't worry. You can catch the replays on YouTube, here on Facebook. And then the podcast is Share the Care, all one word. And that's on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you're listening to your favorite podcast. So let's dive right in. I would love if you would just introduce yourself to us and share a little bit of your background and what led you to your current role. For sure. Well, as we were just talking before we went live. Yeah. I'll try to make this short. I'll, I'll try to make it as short as I can, but I know myself well, and I might take us on a winding path. So if I do, just bear with me. That's all good. My name is Mindy Wimmy. I'm a dementia education specialist at Sequoia Aging and In-Home Solutions, and I'll kind of go into Sequoia, like we mentioned, Dementia Friends Indiana, kind of talk about some of the other services that make up our organization. But I guess a little bit about me. Um, I was thinking about this earlier and I'm like, where do I even start? Yeah. So I'm going to take us back a bit. I'm going to take us back really to my childhood. So I, uh, shortly after I was born, my mom and I moved in with my grandparents. So her parents and, you know, just Truthfully, I was so, I was so fortunate. I was an only child at the time and an only grandchild to my grandparents. So I had their full attention, their full love, unconditional love. I mean, I did not do wrong, um, which is, you know, why I think I have some, some issues today (laughs) (laughs) or maybe think I'm a little bit more important than what I really am. I think it's perfect. (laughs) But, uh, Um, My grandparents, you know, and especially have uh, just a relationship with both of them, but certainly my grandmother. I mean, she was my number one fan, did not miss anything. I mean, she was the one who picked me up after school, dropped me off at the dance studio or the soccer fields or took me through McDonald's or wherever I needed to go. She was like my taxi cab. Um, but you know, I, I share that because I just want to set the scene of like the relationship that I had with my grandparents. And truthfully, it was almost like, you know, cause my mom and I had moved in with them and my mom was working. She was trying to make ends meet. So, you know, it was almost like the dynamic was like my grandparents kind of served as my parents. And then I kind of felt like my mom was like this big sister to me. Yeah. So needless to say, hit the fast forward button Um, so my freshman year of high school, again, you know, we live very close to my grandparents at this point in time, we're not living with them anymore, but we live close and we see them on a daily basis and we're starting to just pick up on things with my grandma, strange behaviors, 
mood changes. I, I think for me, when I reflect back on this period of our lives, I just can't help but just really, you know, acknowledge the behavioral and the mood changes that were mm-hmm. with my grandma. So just this persistent anxiety and depression that just seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. And, you know, just the, the simple things of forgetting familiar recipes or just knowing how to initiate tasks. And again, like at the time we were not able to put our finger on that. It was just we off going on. Exactly. Exactly. And so again, I'm about a freshman in high school at this point, 14 years old or so. And uh, I'll never forget. It was February of like 2006. And you know, I'm not going to share the exact situation, but there was a turning point where it became very clear. She doesn't have control of her brain or again, of, of her thoughts um, and just really feeding into these rational thoughts. And I mean, there was a moment we didn't know if she was going to be with us much longer. Um, just very, again, just this persistent depression. Yeah. And so again, there was just this incident that happened and Although it, it still scares me uh, to think about it today, it really it was the catalyst to lead us to this diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease. Ah. So again, you know, my, my grandma, of course, she was like this number one fan, amazing to me, but she ran a daycare out of her home for 20 plus years. And I mean, she did it all, you know, she and the house. And then here you've got this happening and it's like, Okay, now who's gonna, you know, who's gonna do the all of the things? Clean? Who's gonna like manage the house? Who's gonna yeah. manage finances? I mean, she did it all. And so again, you know, throughout high school, I mean, it really looking back, it was really quite a, a quick progression. But um, so kind of all throughout high school, again, you know, little things, but she's still able to to function um, on her own and everything, but. Then I get to my freshman year of college and I did not go far. I went about 12 miles down the road from my hometown to college. And thankfully I did because I was able to be a, a source of support for my family. And I'll never forget my grandpa coming up to me as the first, or excuse me, after spring semester of my freshman year and just asking me, hey, you know, would you be willing to help grandpa out? Because he was looking to go back to working. So he had retired, but after being home with her for about four years, you know, needing that respite, needing some sort of a break. Yes. Again, I don't, I did not know. It it truly took me working at Sokoa to really, truly grasp what my family had experienced in these years. And to put vocabulary to it, to know that that was him saying, I need a respite stay. Yes. To know you were being asked to be a caregiver and you would have never probably put that vocabulary to what you were experiencing. Never, never. And as an 18 year old, again, I mean, caregiver, all these, yeah, just all these like buzzwords. It's like, you know, again, I never think somebody at my age would be a caregiver. Or again, you're just in this bubble. You don't recognize actually how prevalent it is for, for sure. um, even millennials to be caregivers for people of dementia. Oh, yeah. But, you know, again, it's like at the time you think, I have to be the only 18 year old who is uh, caring for their grandmother at this point in time. And it certainly was not the case, I'm sure. And it still isn't the case today. Oh, yeah. so, 
Um, but, but you're right. Exactly. Being able to like put words to that and truly understand what the experience was. And um, so, you know, of course I said yes to helping because I'm not going to turn my grandpa down. And I feel like the, the irony of all of that was like here, my grandma was this babysitter for all these years and here kind of these roles are thing. And I'm now the one that's tasked with making sure her needs are being met and, and making she's sure. safe. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Care. The okay. biggest thing. I mean, really when he approached me, it was more of a, do you mind coming and staying with grandma? I mean, he did. I think he went over things eventually, but there was no like, Hey, can you come over to administer her insulin and her yeah. stuff? So we're going to need you for a four hour so, gift. Exactly. And then if you could like recap. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So again, you know, had he come at me and been very direct with what I was going to be doing, I'm certain I would have still done it again. You know, I'm just thinking how hard could it be? I mean, at this point we had lived two miles away from their house. So all I had to do that summer was just roll out of bed, drive down to their house, hang out with your fave person. Like, okay, exactly. Exactly. Until the first day I show up and turn the front door, walk into the house. And it's like, I'm just like smacked with this just smell. And it leads me back to the bedroom. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I've got, got quite a mess on my hands, you know? And that was just day in and day out, just this incontinence. And again, like I said, it was probably four, almost five years since she had like received the diagnosis, but Uh, progressing pretty quickly. I mean, to the point where, like I said, I mean, it was by the time I got her up and out of the bed and into the bathroom, cleaned her up, went back to the bedroom, grabbed the sheets, fed her, you know, brushed her, everything. Yeah. Years old. And again, I'm just doing it day in, day out. And, um, you know, for me, what was significant. So the reason I chose to go to this college was I had an opportunity to still play soccer. And again, close to home, it was like, great. Well, as I'm caring for my grandmother that summer, I didn't condition one time. I think I went on one run. And so, you know, the end of summer is approaching and I, not that I was this great soccer player or anything, but I loved it. I loved, I loved being a part of a team and I gave it up because I just, quite frankly, I was exhausted. Yeah. Yes. In one summer. And that was probably five straight months that I. As an 18 year old. As an 18 year old. And again, like I feel so selfish being like, oh, so exhausted thinking about my mom who was working full time and then driving straight to my grandparents' house, coming home, uh, you know, dinner for all of us, getting my grandma, you know, basically picking up where my grandpa left off to yeah. get right. So again, it's like I I still can't help but just feel a bit selfish and, and guilty when I say here I'm so exhausted. But exactly when you just don't even know what's going on and you're just trying to do the best with what you have with no knowledge, no training. You're just trying. And like you said before, I mean, that safety piece, like just feeling this immense responsibility, keep her safe, to keep her alive or keep her out of trouble or keep her from wandering out of the house before my grandpa gets home. So again, just immersed into this world that I did not even recognize I was in until several years later down the road. But again, you know, I know we're on a winding path, but, but we're getting there. So, um, 
So, you know, again, fast forwarding, she ended up passing away three months after I graduated from college. So okay. to provide that direct care was my freshman year. And then three months wow. she had passed away. So um, again, just this, this quick progression in it, you know, although I'm sure it wasn't quick for my grandfather or my mom, or, you know, again, it, it wasn't quick, but it was just such a whirlwind and never did we truly understand. It's like, once she got that diagnosis, Hell, we had a hard time just pronouncing Alzheimer's disease, right? Let right. alone understanding like what's actually happening to her brain, and, and you how know, how do we support her, and what yes. resources exist? Do we communicate with her now that she can't talk to us anymore? So again, just knowledge or understanding of this condition that we were caring for day in and day out, and. Um, you know, so after college and after she had passed away about a, a year later, I had the opportunity to move down here to Indianapolis. So I'm originally from Michigan and, uh, yeah, Michigan girls. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's place home. It's still is home, <laughs> you know, still can't claim that I'm a, a Hoosier. I love Indianapolis, but I just am like one day I'll be back <laughs> great lakes day for sure. You know, also recognizing like I have to fly, I have to fly away from the nest. Like my family's been in this area for forever. Sure. And I just knew if I don't take this opportunity to get out, I don't know that I'll ever get out. Totally fair. That it's a bad place, but again, like just feeling like okay, if I'm gonna go and be anything or just be somebody I'm proud of, I I gotta go. I gotta make for myself. So decided to move down and really did not have a plan in place at all. And I truly think it's probably one of the only risks I've ever taken in my life too. So I moved down and work a, a couple jobs before I get to Sikawa. Um, but one of the jobs, I was a career counselor at Atterbury Job Corps. So down in Edinburgh, Indiana. Yeah. And I had one of my colleagues there, actually, we were out to dinner one night and her partner worked at Sikawa. And she's just going on and on and on about her job. And she was a couple years older than me, but I like looked her dead in the eye and I was like, I have never met anybody that's like in my generation that's actually fulfilled by their job. Like, I'm really intrigued by it. Like, Tell me more about this. Exactly. And so where like, do I sign up? <laughs> it's, that's pretty much, I was like, can we, can, yeah. Can you just send me like, how, how do I, uh, you know, apply for a job or see what's available there? And like never when I was going to college, I mean, I, my ba- I have a bachelor's in psychology. So thankfully psychology applies to just about anything, but it's also really hard to narrow that down into a focus. So, you know, for me, I'm just like, I don't know what I really truly wanted to be a probation officer. And so I'm kind of working in juvenile homes or sure. just trying to really feel about if that's actually what I wanted to do or not. And so again, you know, just, it all is just so serendipitous to me. True. It's like, how in the world did this happen? Because it's not just a coincidence in my opinion that, totally. that this, you know, played out the way that it did. But um, so, yeah, it, I had applied to be a phone options counselor in the agency and that's where I started. And okay. here I just kind of got my footing about, 
who is Sakoa? What do we offer to folks in the community? And not only that, but understanding there's this vast world of resources around us. Like, you know, so many, so many. And this is why, you know, just thank you (laughs) what you do, because just shining a light on these resources that, I mean, I'm sure you hear it all the time. People are like, I wish I'd have known you several years ago. I wish I'd have met you. I wish our our paths would have crossed, you know? And again, it's like here all these years and people still don't, you know, just recognize that they can just give us a call, you know, Um, and just start that conversation somewhere. There's somebody out there that's willing to listen to you and help help guide you to where you need to be. So, um, you know, again, as anxious as I was uh, living with, anxiety and ADHD, like working in the aging and disability resource and answering live calls truly was like the most anxiety provoking in my life. Cause you know, again, it's like, I don't know what's on the other end of that call. Like a lot of folks, (laughs) a lot of folks are just calling just again, to ask questions, to understand what their long-term care options are. But some of those calls were heavy and and hard, you know? And so again, just being so young and being in this brand new city and, but anyways, you know, it led me to an opportunity within Sakoa to work one-on-one with family caregivers. And so that I remember probably the first week of working at Sakoa, I met who was in the role currently. And I was like, I'm going to do that job one day. Like I'm going to be that person. And it happened much sooner than I figured that it would. And You know, I was only in that role for just over a year or so. And, you know, again, like my whole mindset was like, wow, my family's been through this. Like, I've also been through this personally. I think that there's, there's, I can share some experience. You know, I I understand the services of Sakoa. I understand resource. You know, again, I I just felt like I, I could be a resource to people. I could be a shoulder to cry on. I, hugs, you know, Yeah. but I, I think for me where I, I really acknowledged the struggle for me was just working with caregivers because, you know, I mean, it is just the trust that these folks have in you to confide in you and to share some of the, the most challenging and the hardest and, and the most vulnerable situations they've ever been in their life. Although that's such an honor such a weight to carry. I just never felt, you know, and, and like we were kind of talking before, it's like kind of this, this self-healing journey. You don't really, so when you like fall into these roles, but you're like, there's a big part of myself I'm trying to heal here too. Mm -hmm. You know, again, just kind of rehash and reflect on and understand. And I think it was like, the more I worked with them, the more it just took me back. And it was just like, okay, you know, this, this is great. I feel I can help, but I also think I underestimated how much I was helping, you know, because I couldn't fix every situation. I couldn't take that pain away from them. To me, in my mind, I wasn't doing my job. I wasn't, wasn't doing enough for them. Yeah. And it's taken me years to really look back and go, sometimes people just need you to sit there and not say anything. Sometimes they need you to just be. Yeah. And allow them to share and to not judge them for how they're. Mm -hmm. And so again, you know, in the moment, I think there was a lot of just 
personal things with myself of just not feeling confident enough in the tools and the the experiences that I had. Um, also, just not knowing how to take this load they had, you know, I, I had asked for them to dump that on. Sure. But not knowing now. Exactly. Where do I put this? Because taking it home with me and then every caregiver you're working with, it's all just building up. So it's like at some point, something's got to give. So finally, here we are. So at that time, I'm kind of looking to transition out of this this caregiver options counseling role. And that is when Dementia Friends Indiana, or that's when SACOA became the state administrator for this Dementia Friends Indiana program. Ah. And so at the time, because of the role I was in, I was approached to start leading information sessions. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I was approached to just do essentially public speaking, to just go out and lead these one-hour sessions. the word. Talk about dementia, you know? It's like, sometimes it's hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact, like, that's what I do for a living. Uh I talk to people about dementia, you know? you're so good. And I love doing it, you know? (laughs) But again, it it is a bit of a healing journey for me, too. Just allowing other people to to feel comfortable enough to share what's on their heart, what they've been through, what they're going through, and... So needless to say, it just kind of was history from there. So I just started getting involved quietly, you know, behind the scenes, leading these sessions. And that's where I kind of went like, that's what I want to do with my life, or at least, you know, that I want to do short term is, you know, shift from this counseling role more into this educational role, I guess you could say. Um, And so, I mean, that's truly just, again, the, the winding pathway to kind of where I started and, and how I'm, you know, or where I'm at now. Again, like I said, it, it just feels like serendipity. <laughs> Divine timing is, yes. yes, that has been really showing up for me a ton lately. Yeah. Like, divine timing is no joke. <laughs> and I thought of something that I I remind myself of a lot. And so maybe it'll be a nugget that will help you or anyone. Yeah. Um, But I always say that my favorite thing to be, and that's, I love doing what you just mentioned. Like we are inviting people to to give me what you got. We can just create space for them and just be the space for what they need. It doesn't stay on us. It doesn't stick with us. It can kind of just flow through you. Yeah. And when I kind of try to keep that like super top consciously of mind, Yeah, I have noticed that the family caregiver that is giving me their kind of situation, you can literally feel their shoulders. Crazy. And it's like, whoa, like I was ready for someone to tell me that that was wrong or that's not what I'm supposed to be doing or I'm not doing it the right way. And I'm like, no, like, right. I'm just here to be the space for what you need. Yes. And my ear has just been trained to provide you with the resources that make sense based on what you just told me, because I'm actively listening and I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to provide like telling you how to do this, this, and this. Right. It allows for me to be able to connect you to resources that just make sense for what I just heard. Yeah. And then they can go flourish. And to have that wisdom, you know, I mean, both of us are are relatively young. So to that wisdom and to know like, okay, as much as I want to fix, fix, fix for you, that's not my job. And this piece, I like, I got chills when you said that. 
that's what it is. It's just owing them. Yes. You know, so many people don't even ever have that opportunity. You were 18 years old and you didn't have it most likely for at least that four year stint. No one probably was like, Hey, did you just want to unpack what you're going through and what you're experiencing? Absolutely. You'd have been like, I'm sorry, are you talking to me? Yeah. I mean, I would run back to school and pretend like that was not happening. At right. home. Not that, I mean, yeah, there probably was some level of, you know, embarrassment's not the right word, you know, but again, no, but I know what you mean. Yeah. It's, and I think that, I don't know. I like to keep honestly kind of hanging out on the fact that you were 18 and I am not saying that to like, um, you mentioned like feeling guilt around saying how exhausted you were. And I don't, I don't want anyone watching to feel that guilt at 40 or 50 or 60 or 20 or yeah. any age because they all feel like they're going through it all by themselves. Yes, absolutely. And like, they tell you they're not right. And it's like, you know, already that, but then again, especially with a dementia diagnosis, People just don't understand what this condition is. And the fact that everyone you meet, it's different. It manifests differently in nearly everybody. So I've heard people say before, you meet one person with Alzheimer's, you met one person with Alzheimer's. Everyone is different. Yes, absolutely. There's not a cookie cutter solution. There's not a cookie cutter, like, here you go. Here's this plug and play manual. Yes, yes. You know, when it's like, gosh, I mean, even just like going back to that, like, okay, I didn't know that embarrassment was the right word, but it's like, you know, again, that stigma, stigma. Like just yep. not feeling like I have anybody, like I'm sure yeah. my, my best girlfriends knew sure. at times I'd take friends back to my grandparents' house and uh, I'll never forget taking my, my boyfriend over there for the first time and just being so scared. Cause again, it's like, you know what like, what is he going to think? How is she going to act? What's yes. going to happen? I don't Absolutely. know. <laughs> and she just takes one look at him and she's like, he's cute. And I was like, all right, that's great. And he laughed. Where we're going. <laughs> he's like, I guess that's what it is today. You know? And I mean, it's like, I can just see where that, that stigma was so present in our lives. And, you know, because of that stigma, you do, you feel so isolated on this Island alone. When in fact, just in this state alone, there's like 340,000 plus caregivers and that's just for Alzheimer's. So that's not even like all the different types of dementia. That's just one type of dementia that we're kind of looking at how many unpaid caregivers are. Unreal. Unreal. And that's like, people who've been diagnosed. Yeah. And, and like, actually understand. About it. Yeah. Wow. That yes, is so that's not even counting the people who have not been diagnosed or the people or that don't know that they're being a caregiver or yes. like all the yes. things. Yes. Yes. Fascinating. Yes. And so, yeah. it's just fascinating about the stigma. Like that's still true. That's still, it's yes. 2021 and it's yes. still super, super true. I'll just keep yes. going on Facebook live every day of the yes. week and talking about senior living and elder care so that people don't feel weird. Yes. Seriously. (laughs) Well, and that's just, it is like, you know, even like when I started working at Sokoa, once I really felt like I had this understanding of who we were as an agency and what we had to offer, it's like, 
I felt like I was just kind of on the rooftops, like shouting yeah. about it. Like, I swear all oh, my yeah. probably thinking in their head, they never said it, but they're probably all thinking like, if you say dementia one more time, or you talk about aging, or you talk about caregiving, like, but you know, at the same time, I, I had a friend from college over winter reach out to me and, and disclose that her mom had been diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia. Yep. Just where do we start? And so it's like, you know, as much as I, I don't want to be this, I don't want to bring this heavy topic to the table all the time, but at the same time, it's like, we need to start talking about this with our loved ones. And, and we, if we just plant seeds. That's yes. what you're doing. All you're doing is planting seeds. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Their loved one ends up with the diagnosis, then their seed can blossom. And then they also have a person to like water their seed and like yeah. grow their garden. And now there's a whole garden metaphor happening. Sure. I brought my plants to the party. I, mean, I love it. <laughs> and I brought the flowers. So but together we're crushing it. Okay. So I would love if we could talk about, because I think that's when I met you is when you yes. were being low key about dementia friends, but then we were like, yeah. Hey, did you want to do like a whole event? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that was like shortly after I had stepped into this role. So I've been with Sikoa for about five and a half years now, right. but like I said, a few different roles, but yeah, I will never forget where we first met and then even coming to visit you and just, all right, how do we, how do we put this in? I mean, you were really kind of one of the first people to give me a chance, yeah. honestly to share this message and to bring folks together in the community. And, um, it's just wild. Like here we are three years later, you're doing, I mean, it just, again, you talk about that divine. divine. Exactly. So divine. I love it. Absolutely. So for everyone that's watching, I would love if you could share like where they could go to learn about dementia friends. Um, who it's, who it's for, like who would benefit from taking advantage. And then we will, after that shift into where everyone can find you, like contact with you. Cool. Um, and then my favorite question, we'll get to that. Perfect. Perfect. So I guess before I really dive in, I guess for folks who are watching with us, who may not be familiar with Sakoa, you, you hear me keep saying Sakoa, you're like, how the heck do I even spell that? Well, it's C-I-C-O-A um, and Sequoia Aging and In-Home Solutions. That's the full, full name. But if you just refer to us as Sequoia, that's sufficient too. Um, but just real quick, Sequoia is the largest area agency on aging here in the state of Indiana. So we do cover Marion County and then the seven surrounding counties. So really the central Indiana but if you don't live in central Indiana, good news is there's an area agency on aging that covers your, your county that you live in. And what I think is really cool, and another thing I just shout from the rooftops, is even if you're not in the state of Indiana, but you live, say, back in Michigan, or you live out west somewhere, there is an agency like Sequoia or like the area agencies on aging that will cover your county. Yeah. So at minimum, everybody will have access to at least information and referral services. So really, again, that, and that's kind of the starting point for Sequoia or the front door of our agency. Like I had mentioned, I was a phone options counselor. So we have an aging and disability resource center. So people will just call in there and they just want to know, what are my options for my loved one? You know, I'm not ready to place them into a long-term care community quite yet or 
uh, we're kind of on the fence about assisted living, but we could keep her home for a while. You know, sure. So just helping folks explore that in an unbiased way. And, you know, we, we assessed, assess folks to see if they're eligible for funding sources like the Medicaid waiver program or the choice program. And so again, you know, those funds are used to um, provide home and community-based service or in-home services, um, you know, in the home or again, assisted living, independent living. So, you know, I, I just encourage everybody, you don't need to know exactly what you're looking for. Just go um, check it out. You know, exactly. If you have burning questions that you just don't even know where to start, I would say Saco is the place to start because yeah. if you call us, I mean, we're trained, of course, to assess you to see if you're eligible for any of our services. But at the end of the day, our goal is to at least connect you to a someone, a resource. Exactly. Something, yeah. a next step. You know, yeah. again, if it's if you're not quite ready for our services or where we're at, you know, we're going to, we're going to kind of give you some action items to work your way up to that point. So, um, you know, just, I, I want to just make that very clear to everybody that. And I'm going to put all of those links and sites and all of the contact information in the comments. Perfect. Very good. Very good. So, you know, again, as you move through the process for folks who appear to be eligible for SACOA services, they move on to our field options counseling staff. So, these folks are really initiating the service plan, I guess you could say. So they're really helping the families understand exactly what these funding sources are, what might be available to them, and helping them craft that plan. And then they send that off to the state for approval. So we're, they're kind of in that interim, you know, where it's like, hey, they're not quite ready to start, but we're getting them to that point and really holding their hand until services start. And at that point, you move on to an ongoing care manager. Um, and that's by far the largest. I believe we have over 200 care managers wow. about in our organization. That that could be wrong. But it's like, oh, well, we've got over 300 people working at our organization. Wow. That's it's incredible. a large operation, especially for a nonprofit. So, um, But outside of that, we have nutrition services, so like home-delivered meals, mm-hmm. COVID, we did the congregate meal sites, um, transportation services, minor home modification, like wheelchair ramps, grab bars, handrails, um, caregiver support, of course, like I'm in that role for a short period of time, but we still have that. Now, one thing to be very clear of is that's one-on-one support. So we do not any, we do not offer any support groups out of Sikawa, but we certainly in that role can help connect you with support groups that are located across uh, central Indiana. So I want, want to just be very clear when I say caregiver support, at least from Sakoa's angle, it's uh, so much support groups, but really that one-on-one support for folks. And, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm missing some department within Sakoa, and I do apologize if anybody from Well, Sakoa. just put it in the comments. Exactly. Um, but, you know, that leads me to Dementia Friends Indiana. So this is, this is where I just go like completely giddy. So what's really cool about this program is, yes, it's Dementia Friends Indiana, but this is a part of something so much bigger than me or any of the people that are volunteers for this movement. This actually started over in the United Kingdom through their Alzheimer's Society. And uh, it's since spread into like 56 different countries. So at this point in time, 
there are 56 different dementia friends programs all across the globe. So it's the largest awareness initiative around this condition. And so I just like, again, like over the moon, proud to be a kind of an understatement, but um, you know, I just, like I said, it, it, to me, I just find it so fascinating that here, like in all these different countries, we're out leading these information sessions that really cover, you know, just the fundamental information. Basics, just basics. Yes. Yes. Like what you, if you had one hour to learn about dementia, if you came here, you'd probably have a good grasp of at least understanding what those folks are going through and knowing how to support them. Yeah. Minimum, which like, Hey, if that's all you've got, perfect Perfect. to start. Um, So I just find it fascinating that here, you know, again, these one hour sessions are just being translated in all these different languages. But at the end of the day, we're all teaching our communities about the very same things. So, um, you know, right here in Indiana, this, we uh, kicked off this, this program in August of 2017. So we're just about three and a half years into the the works, which is crazy that it's even been that long. (laughs) Um, It's just kind of flown by. And then of course, with last year, I don't, I don't know that we can really count that as a, as a year. We'll just, yeah, we'll just say that that. That didn't hold us back. (laughs) But uh, what's been really neat is in the three and a half years, we have helped educate or or connected with over 7,700 people across the state. So something that, you know, again, it's like. That's my favorite number is seven. So I'm really really? that that just happened. Well, the exact number is 7,775 people. So almost 7777. Where are two more people at? Seriously. I will go find neighbors. Don't think I won't. Right. Seriously. (laughs) We have two people watching on this today. 100%. Check out the friends. You won't regret it. Thank you. Appreciate that. But, you know, really at the heart, this is, like I said, really a grassroots kind of community driven movement, essentially, yeah. to, you know, raise the awareness collectively across all community sectors. And again, I think that's the thing that sticks out to me the most is, again, there's so many great resources like the Alzheimer's Association, like, my gosh, what they do for folks incredible. I try to make sure everybody I talk to, if they say dementia, I'm like, do you have a 24 seven helpline? Cause here you, you need it. You're going to yeah. need it. So, you know, huge advocate for the work that they do. Um, but I think what I really love about the dementia friends movement is just this approach of like working with every community sector and not just being like, so, and I'm not saying, you know, that anybody's fixated on one particular sector, but I feel like right now, you know, training or education opportunities, they're really available to people who work in the healthcare field or direct care workers, or, you know, again, like people who we think they should know about dementia because they work directly with these folks. But in reality, it's like, why would we not extend the same educational opportunity to our faith communities or to grocery stores? or to restaurants or to our bankers or to our advice, like everyone, elder law attorneys, you know, just like anybody, everyone. So it's like, you know, when people are like, who's your audience for this? Everybody, 
everybody. Yeah, I know that's a lofty goal to make every Hoosier in this state a dementia friend, but like truly we all need to have, again, this understanding of what are these people experiencing and how can I help them? <laughs> you yeah. know? How, can I, how can I lessen that or break down that stigma? Like we've talked about before. I mean, it's like think about my family, my grandparents loved to go out to eat. They loved traveling. My grandma was always in church. And it's like all of that stopped the moment she had this, you know, the moment things really started to, to go downhill. Because again, that fear of well, what, they think, what do they yes. know? What do I, she has an accident while we're out to eat. What are we going to do? Yeah. You know, most restaurants don't have incontinent supplies. Yeah. Bathroom, but why couldn't they, you know, right. it's like, why couldn't they have that, yeah. you know, just at least bringing this conversation to the table and just having these, these organizations or businesses, like, you know, again, they, they, just don't realize how often maybe they are coming into contact with these people or be their own employees are caregivers for their loved ones back home. Or maybe their family members have signs and symptoms that they're just not noticing. And it's one hour also one hour, one hour. So if everybody can just get on one live zoom, do one hour. (laughs) And that's the thing too, is we, of course, all of our sessions have transitioned over to zoom over the last year. And, um, you know, I, I am hopeful we'll get back to in-person sessions, but, you know, like I said, I mean, we, we do aim to, you know, bring this education to different organizations and, and like I said, different businesses, but, you know, we still offer these for community members. So, you know, if you don't, necessarily feel that you represent any one particular uh, sector or you're retired or just whatever the case is, we still have opportunities for you to become dementia friends. So um, it's just, yeah, I, you know me, I could just go on for days about. Well, I love it. And I love (laughs) the work that you guys do and you are a great representation of dementia friends. And I obviously have been to session Yes. One of you the first, I am a domestic. Yes. Um, and so we will, of course, put all of the contact information in the comments, because if anybody is watching or watching the replay and you're like, I want to be a dementia friend because you should, then we'll put the information on where to learn more about that. And then my last question that I just know people are dying to know <laughs> is what is your favorite go-to self-care practice? Mm. When I first read that this question was coming, you know, at first I thought, oof, I am the wrong person to talk about self-care because I do not do a very good job of taking care or making that time. Truly, truly. At, at this point, I I work three jobs. I feel like all I do is work. But when I gave myself about one more minute to really process the question, it was like, this is so clear dancing Ah. my and there's like one specific day of the week like (laughs) afternoons too if my boyfriend is out of the house for some reason oh my gosh it's like the moment I'm alone I run over dance party USA oh my gosh like we live in an older neighborhood too so like all of our neighbors are I'd say 75 years or older and (laughs) I mean, there will be times I'll walk outside and I'm like, I'm 
need to go turn that down because it is like the house. Mindy's just turning up. <laughs> subwoofer. But I mean, I, I grew up dancing and, you know, it's like thinking about my grandparents' house. Like I used to come home from school, kick my grandpa out of the back room and just be like, I'm dancing. Like that's so funny. And leap through the house and spin and turn and all those things. So you know, although it's something I don't do every single day, it's definitely something that, you know, really transports me back to some of the best years of my life, being with my grandparents, um, just being a child, being carefree, just feeling joy. So that's probably my favorite act of self-care. Mm, so um, good. And just music in general, I think. Like there's yeah. just moment where I don't have my headphones in listening to music. And I feel like the older I get, the more I'm just so just, I don't know, moved by the lyrics of songs, you know, it's like, it's not just the, like, I've always been about the beat, you know, if it makes, Oh, I'm opposite. Interesting. Interesting. And the older I get, the more like I'll listen to songs or I'll watch YouTube where they have the lyrics like, yeah. And you're like, green, and it's like, Oh, was that written about my life? Because I think it was. So I would totally say just dancing or music. Um, Yeah. I love that. Well, I will be checking in with you routinely to see if you are creating space or self-care. I will do it. Please do. I need that. Oh, I will do it. Don't you worry. Um, Okay. So I think that's all of the questions that I have. We will put everything in the comments. Feel free to put any information too that I leave out or that I've forgotten so that people can know how to reach you. Uh, It's can you tell us the website real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you Sakoa's first, which is just Sakoa C-I-C-O-A.org. Okay. So you can find, you know, anything okay. that you know about that organization. Great, uh, great tool there. And even our solutions guides that we print out on a yearly basis that have just all the resources in our database. You can get that right from our website too. Um, and dementia friends would just be dementia. Friends, Indiana. It's all one word. Okay. Org. Perfect. DementiaFriendsIndiana.org. And the only other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, maybe you have some folks who have become dementia friends or they're like, "Mm, I don't know that you're going to really teach me anything. I've been a caregiver for all these years. Maybe you have a heart to get out in the community and educate. So I'm always looking to train volunteers, you know, recruit and train uh, volunteers who have a passion for raising awareness in the community. So um, those are called our dementia champions. So if anybody wants to kind of get one step beyond and become a champion, I would love that. I think the coolest thing about that is like truly everybody, you know, again, has been impacted uh, by it in one way or another. So it's just beautiful that everybody can go out there and yeah, you know, read, read the script or go through the session. Sure share their personal experiences too. And like I said, like encouraging folks to do the same with us. So yeah, we would love it. This is I, I so appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you're you. so welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course. <laughs> I super appreciate you and all that you do and all that Sokoa does. And for those of you that are watching, we will catch you next time. And I hope you have a great evening. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye.